We're putting the band back together. Twisted Minds brought you the original fan ball. We had a bad time with enough to turn goat piss in the gas This is the Fan Ball Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. And welcome back to the Fanball Fantasy Football Podcast, the second episode, the long-awaited second episode. Today we're going to talk about running backs. We talked about quarterbacks last week, but first, let me introduce who's here. Sitting across from me, I got John Tuvey, someday Hall of Famer John Tuvey. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I don't know about that, but I, <laughs> I, I do have to say that I think uh, we have uh, Godfather 2 potential. You know, if, if our first podcast was Godfather, we're Godfather too. There it is. I'm worried about three, though. I got to tell you. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, and also with us is Jay Clemens. How are you doing, sir? It's, I'm doing fine. Is Tuvi really in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, like uh, in my mind, he's a should be fantasy football Hall of Famer. I am it? eligible. I believe the rules are ten years, so that would make me eligible after this season. So. Uh, unless I retire with four games to go in the regular season, uh, I should be eligible uh, this time next year. Oh, is it really 10 years? I think that's what it is, 10 years. Yeah. Oh, that means I'm eligible. Can I apply? Sure, why not? Why not? Let's do you know, it. I think you have to somebody nominate you, like Peter King or something like that. I'm like, no, okay. uh, I nominated David Dory, who should be in. And, and David Dory told me that uh, he doesn't think he should be in until Emil is in, which – Emil Catholic Emil should, should be in. Be in. Yeah, so we could in. we could do a whole podcast on guys who should be in. I, I think rather than the Hall of Fame, I'm in like the the patio of very good. We have we have nice <laughs> drinks out there patio and some appetizers. So we're all right. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, people want to hear a little bit about running backs. Uh, so let, let's just dig right into it. Let's start with CJ Anderson. Jay's got him a couple spots higher than me and a bunch of spots higher than Tubi over here. What are your thoughts on C.J. Anderson? Uh, do you have him where you like him? Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm here in Atlanta today, and there's a big uh, runoff election for a uh, at the Congress seat. And so today is technically election day. So I will put on my politician hat right now when I say I don't really care who the Denver running back is. I just think that whoever it ends up being on a consistent level, that person will probably be the 15th to 17th best running back for the year. Um, C.J. Anderson, you know, his last three years, guys, well, I forget how many games that is. Well, I'm looking at it what now. That looks like 30, 37 games. He's averaged only 71 total yards and 0.6 touchdowns. Um, so that's not really great. But I will say this. In his last 12 games, he scored seven touchdowns. Uh, check this out, guys. The, the final game of each regular season in the last three years, 14, 15, and 16, uh, Anderson has, holds incredible averages of, 300, uh, of 100 total yards and two touchdowns. And that doesn't even count the Super Bowl from two seasons ago when he had 100 yards in that game and one touchdown. So from a finality standpoint, whether it's the end of the season or if he's getting injured, he has been remarkably consistent. So I will give him that. That said, if Devontae Booker was the guy that was perceived to be the number one on the depth charts right now, and I know everything can change between now and the first game, Booker, Booker of his last, what, six games of having 14 or more touchdowns after filling in for Anderson as injury, 
he's either tallied 100 total yards and or one touchdown five times, five of those six games. So to me, you know, Jamal Charles was my favorite running back for a good five-year sample size there before the injury set in. So it's, I'm, I'm, I don't mind playing the political aspect here. I don't care who it is. I just think if, if they devote number one reps to the number one guy, whoever it is, whether it's Anderson, Booker, or Charles, I'm in at least having them as my third running back in a 12-team league. Yeah, that, that, you had a lot of stats there that I I did not realize, honestly. I, I like CJ okay. I am not a Devontae Booker fan, but it, he did put up some numbers. That's I, I believe he put up His some final numbers. game last year against the Raiders. Now, granted, it didn't mean anything uh, to the Raiders, but 107 total yards, 52 of that was receiving and two touchdowns. I mean, like the people, you know, our guy Church, Paul Church, uh, he, does, he did a national radio show. Him and I both did the same show, the same channel for SB Nation Radio. And when uh, – Booker first started for CJ. This is before his first game. Uh, Charge said something to the effect that I already have Booker in my top five for the rest of the year. And I went and totally went and just bought the, the farm on that. And I was a little disappointed in the end. Uh, you know, he had to kind of split time with Capri Bibbs when he was nicked up. But the stat I just read, you know, if you believe in PPR rules, uh, if you believe in a guy that has a decent toucan Sam knows for the end zone. I, I think Booker is a really good option. The problem is on the depth chart, Anderson seems to be the guy. I think you're going to have trouble fitting make Denver running backs great again on a hat. You know, so <laughs> I, I, maybe you're going to need like a like one of the, well, just those take out the word Ferguson running. hats to, to fit just on. Just take out the word running and make it that bright orange that the Broncos wore in the late 70s, and I think that would sell. I think that would work. I I think my ranking on on Anderson dings him for the fact that they brought in Charles. And I still think Charles has something left in the tank. I, I guess we'll know more, you know, maybe two months from now after we've seen some training camp. If if Charles is anywhere near, like you said, the, the elite back that he's been for the last five seasons, then I think you've got a Denver back in the right spot and it's going to be Jamal Charles. But otherwise, I think there's just going to be enough job share, at least to start the season, that's going to prevent C.J. Anderson from – from living up to those lofty expectations. And that's that's why I'm dinging him uh, down at 27 on my current cheat sheet. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Charles, when he was doing his rehabbing before, long before he signed with the Broncos, he had a quote that, you know, he had torn his knee before and he was driven to come back. And I, I forget what year that was. I think that was 2011 he got hurt. And so he came back for 2012. He'd said he was driven. Well, he kind of, you know, this was middle of the rehab, but he basically said, He's working hard to get back, but it's not consuming every single second of his day. And I know NFL players have lives. I'm not blind to that. But it was just one of those comments where he was almost giving himself a soft landing if the comeback wasn't there this time. And so I'm a little worried that, you know, all great running backs must eventually, you know, uh, either recede or retire. And unfortunately, I think uh, Charles might be in that thing. But I'm certainly pulling for him. He was my absolute guy, PPR, standard league, whatever. Uh, you know, for a good chunk of, t- for, you know, for about five, six years there. Yeah, I think he was a lot, a lot of Charles for Prez out there. Um, but how, how about a guy who may have already receded a little bit, fallen back, but uh, Tuvi's calling for a bounce back here. Todd Gurley, got him in your top 12, RB1 this year. Um, I don't know if I've got him as my RB1. I'll, <laughs> I'll take him at uh, at seven. I, ju- I just meant uh, a top 12. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, um, I like Gurley for a lot of reasons. One of them is, and it harkens back to um, a lot of things that have happened in the past, Fred Taylor had a bad year, got hurt, 
and everybody wrote him off from from there on out. And I was able to get him at a value um, every year after that. And I think people are already writing Todd Gurley off. You know, bad quarterback, bad team. Um, he was a dog last year, and, and he was in plenty of people's you know first rounds. So the people that that spent a first round pick on him aren't willing to look that way again. I'm very happy to to grab Todd Gurley as, as the a back end of the top 10 running back. I don't know that I'm spending a first round pick on him. I haven't had any mocks where I've been at the end of the first round yet, but uh, I'd be very happy to grab Gurley in the second round. I think he's got an improved offensive line. They added one of my favorite NFL players in Andrew Whitworth. Um, If John Sullivan has anything left in the tank at center, um, there's two veteran presences that uh, can really bring that, that offensive line together. A couple of young guys uh, in, uh, in Hovenstein and uh, Jerron Brown on the right side. Uh, Saffold's a pretty good guard um, now that they've, they've got him playing that position. I think there's a lot of opportunities. And you know, the, the lack of talent or lack of ability from Jared Goff, it's going to put a lot of guys in the box against Gurley. But I also think it means that Todd Gurley is going to get the opportunities. It's not going to be a team that throws the ball 40 times a game. It's going to be a team that gives Todd Gurley 20, 25 touches to prove what he can do. And I like his chances. Yeah, I, I'm i completely with you on the bounce back. It, I, I think I had him in the low teens, I think 12 or so, 13, somewhere in there. It, it, I think it's more of a factor of who I have above him. I just have more uh, – I like their offenses better, and I think there's a lot more upside for him. But, man, there's a lot to like, especially if McVay can really get him – some use in that passing game he could he could really have a bounce back okay so going to another you know another running back that one of us has too high it's <laughs> definitely clear by the rankings here i didn't think it was too high because you know I, I do a lot of mocks and he goes at mid late or late to end of the second round leonard fournette he's he's going off the board 9 10 11 as a running back but Jay has him at 18. Tuvi has him at 28. I have him at 9. 23. Oh, 23. 23. I misread my own handwriting. I may be willing to move him up a little bit because I'm starting to, much like what we talked a little bit in the the Carolina podcast about how that offense is transitioning, I think that the Jacksonville offense is going to transition. I don't think you're going to see Blake Bortles throwing nearly as much which means more opportunities for Fournette, regardless of, of whether he's a factor in the in the passing game or not. So I don't, I don't want to step on your uh, thunder or anything and uh, and take any any stats away that you're going to throw at us for from Fournette. But uh, I do believe that that 23. I think I need to probably reevaluate where that Jacksonville offense is gonna is going to be going this year and maybe bump him up a little bit. I will say that at the at an 18 ranking or a 23 ranking, you're not going to own Fournette this year, and that's <laughs> that's that's possibly just uh, people loving you know the shiny new toy. I feel like I feel like Fournette is going to get a huge workload, and I'm completely with you that I feel that offense is going to transition to to going to to forging itself around Leonard Fournette. So, uh, JD, do you agree or disagree with that? Well, you, you obviously ranked a lot lower than I do. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel right now because if we're talking – okay, this I'm going to quote what I wrote a couple of weeks ago when I was ranking the running backs. I said, from my perspective, there are only 13 sure things among the non-PPR rushing crowd. After that, it's a giant cluster of talented backs with minimal experience, aging runners with too much tread on the tires, or potential dynamos trapped in timeshare situations. And so I said, the only guy 
that the guy who probably isn't locked in a timeshare after that is Leonard Fournette. So you now I had him at what in the fourteen. What 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 do I have him at, guys? Uh, eighteen currently. Eighteen. Okay, so he dropped down to eighteen when we were for PPR. But in a standard okay. scoring situation, I'm at fourteen. And so if you split the if you split the baby, it's sixteen. You know, generally for the year. So I feel confident about that. I loved him at LSU, but I, I but at the same time, I can't guarantee that he's going to catch. 25 to 30 balls like uh, he made all you know his bread and butter at college was running the ball where you know if we're talking PPR if we're talking daily fantasy contests I don't know if he's ever going to see he's got an extremely favorable matchup uh, in terms of what defense he goes against so you know it's not a placeholder ranking I it's just that he's he's my he he's at the top of that next cut maybe that third wave of guys that you perceive that they don't have to share the load with anybody. And, you know, I like TJ Heldon. I thought he held I mean, Yeldon did a pretty good job in a PPR aspect last year. So I think he can contribute, yeah. but at the same time, let's be honest, like, you know, Fournette and the Jaguars with Tom uh, Coughlin running that program and the offensive line getting better and Blake Bortles knowing full well that he doesn't need to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game to win now, or at least be competitive. This is a perfect situation for him. So I really don't have anything dissenting to say. Yeah, that's he's definitely he's definitely a better pass catcher, I believe, than he was used in college. Um, like when you see him actually catch the ball, he looks like he's a competent patch catcher. Even though I think he only had nine catches last year, or was it nine in college? It wasn't much. He's going to be like the wide receivers that come out of LSU. That, that <laughs> did you know? You see the stats in college are not that impressive, and then Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, there's just Landry, yeah, there's just tons yeah. of pass catchers come out of LSU. Maybe Fournette's the next great pass catcher we never saw. <laughs> nice, nice. Let, let's hope it is that. Well, let's transition to another rookie. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I have been a little too bullish on. I had him in my top 12 at one point. I've moved him down to 14. Tuvi has him at 17. Uh, you have him a little further back probably because uh, I'm guessing the, the offense is just too hard to predict at this time. Maybe, maybe there's other reasons. Uh, Jay, you have him at 27. Yeah, that's a PPR ranking. I think this would be a placeholder. Um, if I had to pick of the, the presumptive 32 starting running backs in the NFL, I think uh, Jonathan Stewart would be the the worst or the second worst or third worst PPR option that I would be taking. So this creates a wonderful vacuum effect or vacuum possibility for McCaffrey, who we all know will do very you know, three, four years from now, McCaffrey will probably be the number one PPR back just because yeah. he, 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 like, he's going to be that guy, oh, like Larry Centers or guys like that or even Ladinian Tomlinson where you, you think, man, they could actually get not 100 catches but you know, or Matt Forte or something like that where McCaffrey could realistically get 80 catches every year. So he will eventually be a dynamo. I think it's just a conservative ranking right now just because we don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation. If, uh, you know, if you were to tell me that Derek Anderson or whoever – Carolina has a backup with, uh, I think he's still there, uh, two, three, four games. And I don't know if that helps or hinder McCaffrey. So right now, you know, I hate to be, you know, kind of wishy-washy about this kid since he's going to be phenomenal someday. But right now I think 27 is a pretty safe pick, even though Stewart basically offers zilch at the uh, PPR level. You know, I was going over this just last week. It's fu- funny that you mentioned Derek Anderson. On a points per game basis, he's one. He's I think he was either the best or he's right up there as in fantasy points per game as a backup in the NFL. 
uh, right now of the the number two quarterback. So, you, you know, yeah, but you never want to test that. You never. No, want, no, I mean, no, no. I mean, yeah, you don't you want to lock down to him. But you know, it's he, he is a guy that when he comes in, somehow he manages you know a couple hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. It's it's crazy how he's been able to do that so consistently. Um, yeah, right now his ADP is fifteenth overall, uh, which is right in between me and John. Uh, I think people are playing on that upside that they're hoping for him to steal Jesus role, catch 80 passes, be, maybe be Reggie Bush or Ladanian Tomlinson from their early years or something. I think, I think right now he's priced at his upside, which is always a tough situation. You always have to pay for the shiny new toy of a rookie. People that think rookies are going to change the world and yet they don't, they can at running back. They almost never do at receiver. So, you know, but there is hope. Like, there's always an outlier, like Matt Forte's rookie year. If, if anybody can come close to that, you know, you're, all, you're already on a Hall of Fame track. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let's go down to another pass-catching running back, a guy that apparently I have too low, despite how much I actually love him, is Danny Woodhead. Uh, we're, we're, we're actually looking at making Danny Woodhead T-shirts. <laughs> we oh, like I him so much. I am so and, looking forward to those. Oh, Johnny, want to mention that? It's, it's, a, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, if you're a fan of the uh, movie Revenge of the Nerds, uh, you remember the the T-shirt that Booger was wearing. So uh, it fits well with the, the philosophy I go into a lot of my drafts, especially PPR drafts, with, which is give me Woodhead until I'm dead. Because uh, <laughs> Danny Woodhead, I've got him in my top 15. Um, I'm not sure why Scott, you're, you're beating him up and have him at 23. Yeah, Jay has him in the top 15 too. I think we're, I think we're going to twist you around on this because uh, you won't have trouble twisting (laughs) this arm because I love Danny Woodhead. So what, what was the rationale? What, what uh, led you to start him that low? And then uh, we'll, we'll talk you up a little bit. (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just have been too slow to move him up uh, over the last couple of weeks. The, the truth of the matter is Kenneth Dixon is going to miss the first month of the season. And who's he got to beat out? Terrence West. I mean, the Ravens have thrown to their running backs a ton in the last couple of years. Heck, for since since even the Ray Rice days, it wasn't just a Tressman thing. They they throw to their running backs. And we're talking about the offense, the Ravens offense, that has thrown the most pass attempts and the best uh, pass-to-run ratio over the last two years. So I don't know why I have him so low. I, I honestly didn't realize until I saw this sheet in front of me that I was super low on him. Well, if we've if we've done anything here and that's protected you from yourself on, on your Danny Woodhead <laughs> ranking, then I think we, we've accomplished our task. Yep, and for everyone listening, give me Woodhead till I'm dead. That's, <laughs> just remember that when you're in your drafts. <laughs> so uh, do you have any notes on Danny Woodhead, Jay? You, you clearly like him as much as we do. Yeah, I, I like him. Um, I don't know if the notes translate. I'm, I'm being honest here. Like, I think of all the times I would watch uh, the 4 o'clock games on the red zone and the Chargers would get down early. There was a game a couple of, against the Raiders two years ago where they were down 21-zip after the first you know quarter, and Woodhead got something like 13 catches for 160 yards, a couple of garbage time stuff. Like, you know, maybe it's the West Coast mentality – I don't know if the if the Ravens will ever be in that position. The Ravens have – they've improved their group, their playmakers. But it's still not a great playmaking staff, but it's good enough where I don't know if you're going to have a lot of Ravens games where they're down 21 points early and they kind of have to pass their way out of it and dink and dunk and things like that. I love Woodhead's track record. I lo- and I'm not being facetious here. Uh, if you're going to get injured – 
get injured week one or week two, I think it was last year uh, in the second game. Uh, so if you're going to get injured early and recover the next season, I mean, he he, he, check, he checks all the, the proverbial boxes that you want from a PPR guy. Plus, I like Terrence West. Uh, you know, I like what the Ravens are doing, but I cannot guarantee that any of those guys will even come close to him in terms of uh, touches and targets. So, you know, I think it's just natural to like him, even if I can't really say why, because the West Coast mentality may not translate to what the Ravens are doing. Um, hopefully they'll adjust to him as opposed to him adjusting to them. Man, you, you have him the highest, and out of the three of us, it sounds like you have the most question marks, which I, is always fun and interesting. We'll get the shirt on him. He'll, he'll yeah, yeah. turn around 300. Once you get here, years. we'll get the shirt. Well, I do like T-shirts, so if it, if, they, if, <laughs> there you it, go. if it involves me boosting him up just so I get a free T-shirt out of it, then, then let's do it. There it is. Well, let's go. let's switch topics here to a former Viking. Uh, Adrian Peterson, Tuvi has him ranked 36th, which is, you know, barely a third running back on your roster, just barely. You know, we, we don't have him too much higher. We have him at 25, 29. There's a lot of question marks with him and Ingram, but Tuvi, you want to explain? Well, the ADP is 22, which I think is, is – and, and I think that might be a standard ADP. I think it's probably going to be a few spots lower in a PPR because Adrian Peterson – doesn't catch passes. I mean, the, the Vikings tried. Um, you certainly would want to get a guy with his skill set uh, out in space, but we just know that that uh, that isn't a, a strength of his game. Um, it is something that Mark Ingram does well. It's something that uh, Alvin Kamara reportedly does well. So I don't think that's going to be a role he fills with the Saints. I could see him being the goal line guy, um, which again, wasn't necessarily the role that, that Ingram filled. I want to say that uh, among the, the top uh, fantasy backs last year he was the uh, lowest as far as the percent of his points that came from inside the red zone um, you know he didn't do that's not where he did his damage so that's a role that Adrian Peterson can fill but he's going to a team that throws the ball what 600 650 yep. times um, he's going to a team that's going to be possibly without their starting center in week one who's coming back from an injury Max Unger who's going to be without their starting tackle um, Teron Armstead, who's going to miss you know, four to six months from now. So best case scenario, he's coming back a month into the season. Um, you know, two, the two best players on their offensive line. So it's just not a great situation. Then you have to worry about, you know, he's at the wrong end of the age scale for a running back. He's coming off a knee injury. He's switching teams. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things stacked up against Adrian Peterson. I just don't think, and I, I went to bat for him last year as a, you know, as a top 10 running back because I thought he still had it in the mm-hmm. tank. Another injury now switching to a team that isn't necessarily going to, um, you know, de- devote its offense to him like the Vikings used to do. Um, I just don't see the fantasy upside to Adrian Peterson. Yeah. It's, he's one of those guys that if he got 10, 12 touchdowns, I would not be shocked. And if he fell off the map, I would not be shocked either. I just don't even it, – it's so tough for me to figure out where to put him, and that's probably why I have him 29th, you know, I it, just six spots above you. But it, he's a risky pick. He is a really risky pick at this point. Where? How do you feel about him, Jay? Uh, well, okay, I feel good about him. I, I've learned to never doubt him. Yeah, uh, but I will acknowledge the PPR flaws. There's like everyone says, well, he's going to be better in the passing game. Well, that's what all teams say during the off season. But there's no motivation for them to develop him as a as a rushing 
as receiving asset because they've got enough guy, you know, things to balls to you know, enough hands to mouths to feed, whatever you want to say. Um, I will tell everyone though, listening, a reminder. Uh, Peterson's very first touchdown in the NFL was a simple dink and dunk pass that he ended up taking 50 yards to the house. So it's not like he can't do it. So maybe they'll be creative with Adrian in ways that the Minnesota coaches could never have envisioned. So I I don't want to doubt him, but at the same time, I just don't see any motivation for him to suddenly become this guy who, you know, gets, you know, 60 targets a year. Yeah. And, Adrian Peterson is a guy who caught over 40 catches twice in his career. He's not inept in that regard, but with Ingram and all the ass and Kamara, you're right. Kamara is a huge thing. It, guys, if Kamara had gone to the Chiefs, and I think we're going to talk about Spencer Ware a little bit uh, later on, if he had gone to the Chiefs, there's a potential that he could have been their starting running back uh, week one. You know, yeah. So I think Kamara will be a stud, and I cannot believe that the, the Saints landed him because that is just an amazing pick for them. Yeah, such a Swiss Army knife. And, you know, there are questions whether he can be a full lead back, but I, I think that I think that it's possible. I mean, there have been backs that I didn't think could do it in the NFL. So let, let's move to Spencer Ware since, since you brought him up. You have him 14th, John has him 25th, and I have him 33rd. You you have him right on the outskirts of being an RB one there, and and with an Andy Reid running back, I mean it's he put he does that. He has really really good producing running backs. Uh, is that is that where you had his? Yeah, um, he had what uh, first year where he was basically the man. Thirteen hundred and sixty eight total yards, five touchdowns. Keep in mind he only played in what fourteen games, I believe. So if you extrapolate that two more games, you're probably looking at a guy who would have maybe flirted with fifteen. 50 yards and maybe six touchdowns. So, you know, I think people are really shortchanging him. The perception I have right now, this is June when we're recording this, is that a lot of people think uh, the rookie Kareem Hunt will has that potential to take over. And just like I said with Alvin Kamara a minute ago, if Kamara was playing with Kansas City, I would be a lot more worried if I was Spencer Ware. I like Kareem Hunt. I saw a lot of what he did against Toledo. Uh, uh, with Toledo, I knew he had a really good game against BYU. If I, I think it was on a Friday night, if I recall watching it. He was great, but at the same time, let's not, you know, let's not get rid of where just yet. Like, uh, I'm looking at his stats right now. You know, guys, when I look at, like, what makes an elite guy every single week, he gets the cracks the 90-yard barrier or scores one touchdown. Uh, I'm looking at this, reading this right now. It looks like a, a where accomplished that 10 different times last year. So that's 10 different times where, at the minimum, he's one of those kind of borderline studs that you're looking for uh, maybe at the flex spot or something like that. So – you know, it's all about depth chart and system and, you know, things like that. And I, all those factors favor uh, where right now. So I think he'll do very well this year. I I think the you touched on with the, the cream hunt. It, cream hunt right now is, is kind of that shiny new toy. And I think, Scott, you even said that you had hunt ranked ahead of where right now momentarily yeah, yeah. I, I i've switched it in the last day in the last <laughs> couple hours but yeah it's it's a situation that i do want the starter remember he was a week 13 pickup for everybody maybe two three years ago and everyone talked about he was just a you know a lightning bug in college and yada yada he, he never really panned out body wise in that respect so i think where is kind of just risen you know the cream rises when things get down and uh, I, I still think that'll be the case so we, we've talked about Kamara, we've talked about Hunt. 
Uh, we've talked about a lot of rookies today, so let's let's just continue that train and uh, talk about Joe Mixon, who I have at a crazy high level compared to you guys. I have him ranked 11th overall, which, man, I, just saying that feels weird. Um, you guys have both have him at 29th overall. I don't, I don't know how to defend it. I, I just don't. Uh, I think Gio, I mean, Gio's going to start the season probably on the pup, might miss a few games. I don't like anything about Jeremy Hill, even though I know that he was a good touchdown producer his first two years. I, uh, I think, I think he's, I think he's everything that Cincinnati wanted out of, out of Hill and Gio in one person. And the, the Bengals have been top 10 in red zone running back touches each of the last two years. He's a good pass catcher. He can get a lot of PPR points. Maybe I'm leaning too much on uh, my dynasty mindset, maybe too much on upside, but uh, you know, I, I just really feel he's probably going to finish the season in the top 15 or 16. And I, I have him at 11 right now. Uh, how much do you hate that? <laughs> Jay? Uh, I don't hate it at all. Actually. Um, if we're, you know, we're talking PPR, like uh, we're doing our player write-ups right now uh, for the season preview. And I've got the AFC North. So I've obviously broken down everyone in, uh, you know, Basically, if you can just forget about the off-field concerns and anyone that has off-field concerns, I'm never going to tell them to just shut up and move on. And that, you know, if you want to hold that against him for a set amount of time, I can't do anything about it. But from a talent standpoint, he reminds me of Billy Sims, uh, the the uh, Heisman running back uh, from Oklahoma. What he won the Heisman in what '78, and then uh, was drafted by the Lions in '80. Uh, I still say he has the greatest first game ever in the NFL. Against the Rams, he had uh, something like 215 total yards, 140 rushing, and three touchdowns. And it was the first – it's when I first started watching football, too. And I just lost my you-know-what watching him that first time against the Rams, who had just played in the Super Bowl the year before. And I think Mixon, from a physical standpoint, has the talent. Now, keep in mind, Jeremy Hill is in the PPR stud. He finds the end zone, but he can't do anything PPR-wise. Uh, there's no guarantee that uh, – that Gio Bernard, who I like very much, won't be healthy, he, that he won't even play till October. So if Mixon satisfies that power running game and the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which he did at Oklahoma, then he most certainly could be the guy sooner than later, as long as you can just look past what happened in a, a, you know, off the field. And I'm one of those guys that uh, I have trouble getting past what happened sure, off the field. Uh, Mixon's not going to be on any of my team's most – I'll rarely say that about a player. There's there's always a price point, you know, regardless of how injury prone or, you know, if he's on the, you know, as a Vikings fan, if he's a Packer, hey, I won't take Aaron Rodgers in the first round. But if Aaron Rodgers is sitting there in the seventh round or something like that, you know, there, there's always a price point that uh, I, I will take a player. Uh, with Mixon, um, I do have to separate the, the off the field from yeah. the on the field because there's so much on the field talent. I do think there's some overlap in that. I don't think he gets it. I'd be worried about him in a dynasty league from uh, a recurring situation where he's going to end up being suspended for, um, for future games. Um, I don't know that I'm a big fan of, no, no, he's got Pac-Man taking him (laughs) under his wing. I don't know that I'm a big fan of Pac-Man Jones. Wow. Where's this coming from? At least Pac-Man knows where, where all the cops are hiding out. I would imagine. No, no, that was in Tennessee. He doesn't really have an understanding of that in Cincinnati. Yeah. But I, I do get that um, yeah, you, you got to talk about the on the field. And what concerns me on the field, yes, the, the Bengals have been effective in, in running the football with uh, Jeremy Hill and with Gio Bernard. And I think both 
uh, in each of their full healthy seasons have been top 24 fantasy producers since they both entered the league. So there's opportunity there, but now they're without Whitworth. They're without Zeitler. Um, they're starting the two guys that they picked in the first two rounds of the uh, 2015 draft at the tackles. Um, their, their offensive line, which has been a real strength form, is not as good. So that concerns me a little bit. Um, enough that uh, you know it was already a situation where I wasn't going to be drafting Mixon, but you know I, I'm not sold on. You know, 29 probably dings him a little too much. Um, now that we've got news that Geo's probably not going to be ready for the start of the season, uh, we'll see that creeping up. It'll probably be into the uh, RB2 range, so in the in the upper 20s. But uh, that the the hits to the offensive line concern me. The lingering of Jeremy Hill. There, there's no reason with him being in the final year of his contract that they don't. Uh, you know, kind of go Cowboys DeMarco Murray on, on the deal and and really overload him and, and you know, just to run him into the ground. So um, those are the concerns I have about Mixon uh, in addition to the off the field that uh, that are affecting his right. Mixon has the flexibility to absorb that. Keep in mind, he shared time with Samadji Piran, who currently owns the NCAA single-game record for rushing yards. Uh, when, when, I forget, that was 2014 or 15 yeah. or two, uh, 14 when, as a freshman. Yeah, Mixon had 1,800 total yards and 15 touchdowns last year in a timeshare agreement. So I think he can adjust to anything, and I know for sure. You know, I don't know what he's going to be for the rest of his career, but I guarantee you that kid will be super humble in year one no matter what. So, let, you know, for me, I'm only thinking about year one right now, and uh, so that's where I stand. As humble as he was in the bowl game on the heels of that where uh, he was egging on the crowd and his teammates mock uh, punched him. That's see that's that's what concerns me is I yeah, don't think I don't think he gets it and I don't think that's gonna play well in the NFL. I will say this last note on Pirine's maker. I, I watched the hit tape on that game. I think I could have gone for a buck twenty five on <laughs> oh, that. That's the case. And now, what round are we drafting Scott Fishing? <laughs> I'm more wide receiver sized, <laughs> but let's, let's move on to Frank Gore here. Cause uh, you know, he's closer to my age. <laughs> so you're 52. All well, right. Yes. 52 year old Scott. Okay. Frank Gore. Tuvi's got him at 13. Just, just really up there. I think I have him at 31. Jay has him at 24. Um, he is he is fighting Father Time to a draw at the moment. <laughs> he is. You, you say that, that nobody beats Father Time, but uh, you know Gore is definitely taking him into the 14th, 15th <laughs> yep. round. And uh, so many people want to get out one year early rather than one year late. Um, 13 is probably aggressive on Frank Gore because eventually, at some point, whether it's now or five years from now, the end is going to come for Frank Gore. But you know. Guys, he's played in all 16 games, six straight seasons. This is I a guy who look, look at what the, what Indy's done. They, they haven't spent uh, anything earlier than like a fourth-round pick um, to, to replace him. So I think Gore is going to get the opportunities. He can still catch. He can still be that uh, outlet for uh, Andrew Luck. He's going to get the goal line looks. He's had seven and eight touchdowns in his two seasons in Indy. I just don't see the replacement coming. And Good pass yeah, catcher. Again, yeah. that, that end is going to come. But uh, you know, with a, an ADP of 35, <laughs> I mean, Frank Gore's ADP is 35, um, I'll, I'll put him on my roster as a starting running back and, and not worry about it. We had a mock draft a couple weeks ago at work, and I, I took him as my RB2, and I think I took him in round six because 
I didn't want to because I kind of wanted to be like Scott and say, well, what's the upside? Well, the, the reality is, you know, the slap in the face reality is we're looking at, I'm, I'm counting right now, 11 straight seasons of at least 1,200 yards. I mean, like you want to get out early. I completely understand, especially for a guy who's headed into his age 34 season, but you know, six straight seasons of playing every single game. It's one of those things where he gets hurt, then I'll just take my chances grabbing the next best Colt like on that following Tuesday and on waivers or in a daily yeah. situation out that you can afford to wait a couple games to see if that actually materializes from a regular redraft situation. If he's there around six or round seven, you, you really have no choice but to grab him. Yeah, he's he's consistent, he's safe, and like you said, Turbin or even if Marlon Mack has pushed his, himself up the depth chart by that time Gore does get injured, if he gets injured, uh <laughs> those guys are going to be on the waiver. Nobody's yeah, no one's going to draft their backup in round 16. It's just not going to happen. So no. everyone's going to be in the same boat if Gore should go down with a major injury. And you really shouldn't handcuff anyway. That's 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 a tail. Hey, all the cool kids are stack cuffing now. That's a whole. Let's save the handcuff podcast for when I'm there because if we oh, actually yeah. get in a physical fight, I, I want to be part of it. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that that that'll be that'll be a fun day. Um, okay, so I think we've gone through as much as we're going to go through today. We'll be back, uh, possibly in a day or two, or next week, or whatever with wide receivers, but you can find Jay on Twitter at ATL underscore Jay Clemens for now. That's correct. <laughs> at, you can find John Tuvey on Twitter at Jay Tuvey, and I have been Scott Fish at ScottFish24 on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Frankly, I'm not too wild about this next event, but it has become a tradition here at Adams. The belching contest. Our first of two finalists, Frederick W. Polowatsky. Ogre, you asshole. Uh, ogre. from the Lambda Moo team, Dudley Dawson. Booger. Booger. <laughs> <laughs>